Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week and a tough loss with some silver linings to talk about as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 86. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films as we take a close look at the Eagles' last-second loss to the Baltimore Ravens and go over what we saw from both sides of the ball after reviewing the tape. Before we begin our discussions about what lies ahead for this football team in the future? It's hard to believe, but the Eagles are just a couple of weeks away from a very important offseason. So Greg and I start to talk about what that looks like and how some of the things we saw against Baltimore reflect on the future of this team. We've got a ton to get into. It's a really fun conversation. Let's not waste any time. Greg and I talk about this Eagles-Ravens game before we t- jump into all of the biggest things you need to know as this team prepares for the final two games of the regular season. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Joining us once again here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, NFL film senior producer and Eagles game plan analyst, Greg Cosell. Greg, uh, thanks for joining us here on a short week here at the NovaCare Complex. Eagles getting ready to play the New York Giants on Thursday Night Football. It's Monday night here. Let's quickly go over uh, the, the overall feelings coming out of this game. We're going to get into Carson sure. Wentz and the defensive performance and everybody else. But overall feelings after watching the game against a, a tough Baltimore Ravens team on the road in inclement weather. A competitive game, and we thought that watching it live, that it was a competitive game. And, you know, it's funny. Obviously, we know that since the 3-0 and start, the record has not been very good, and there's certainly been some poor performances where we felt like we didn't have a whole lot of positive things to say. But I felt watching this game, and again, you're dealing with a team that's fighting for a division title in the Ravens, and I felt that, that this game, and even when I watched the tape, was a, a game between two pretty solid football teams and the way the Eagles played particularly with the run game something I don't think any of us would have expected but when you're able to run the ball like that and and the Ravens were the number one rushing defense uh, in the NFL coming into this game that that really changes the way games go because you control look the Eagles ran about 80 plays in this game 80, I think we had 88 snaps on the film. I think it was 81 plays. Right, in the scorecard. We're, we're, yeah, right, exactly. right, right. But, I mean, plays. so obviously when you can control a game like that, normally you win those games, and we know that the Eagles are not a great team, and they certainly have some, some flaws and some individual deficiencies. But it was a very competitive game, and, and I think the running element is something I really took away from it because I think as we look ahead – uh, and not only to playing the Giants and Dallas in the final two games of the season, but as we look ahead to next year, I think the run game will really be critical for this team. Yeah, and, and let's let's start there before we get to Carson Wentz in the passing game. And obviously it was a game yesterday that kind of dictated the fact that the Eagles, if they were going to be in it, they needed to run the ball right. against the number one run defense. And the first play was not a real positive. No, and you and I kind of looked at each other and said, this is going to be a long game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, and, Looking at the way that the Eagles had run the ball the last month of the season, they, they had really struggled against yeah. poor run defenses yep. at Green Bay and Cincinnati and Washington, uh, a few other teams in that mix. The, the Eagles struggled to run the ball and gain a lot of positive yards on the ground in consistent chunks. 
and then they come out against the number one rush team yeah. uh, and do what they did yesterday on the ground. It was really, really surprising, honestly. Uh, and they did it in a lot of different ways, zone schemes, draw schemes, a little bit of a misdirection element as well. Different formations, different personnel. This game was more 11 personnel than the week before against the Redskins when it was a lot more two and three tight ends. This game was more 11. But it's a very multiple run game. And I have to tell you, I was watching the tape. This you don't really get a great feel for watching the game unless you're specifically looking at it. And I wasn't when we watched the game live, but I, but I noticed it immediately watching the tape is if you didn't know the Eagles' offense and you just, you know, popped in the tape, you would have said that the Eagles' offensive line was a, a plus athletic offensive line. I thought they moved really well. They looked athletic. A lot of the outside zone runs, the sprint draws, I mean, uh, kind of some of the cool things they did inside to maximize what Jason Kelsey brings to the table because he's not a power and strength player. He's a movement player. So they really took advantage of that. And it looked like an athletic group. It was. It's interesting. You look at Jason Kelsey and – surely struggled the first month of the year, and there are plays where he gets overwhelmed at times. There's four or five snaps a game where you just say that he's not strong enough to really do that. Right, but then you see all the different things they've done. You and I were talking off air a a few minutes ago about – uh, the the fold blocks, you know, the yep. the, the, the quick little skip. Really a good concept because yeah. it gets him moving. And what we're talking about is uh, really it's been happening mostly to the left, to the Stephen Wisniewski side yes. of the formation where Wisniewski well, will you, block down on the nose You give him tap. an angle block because exactly. Wisniewski needs block. that. Yes, it's an easy yes. block for Stephen Wisniewski, and you get a, a nice skip pull for – uh, for Jason Kelsey, he's able to get up to the second level and take on a linebacker. He's at his best in space, uh, and you get the, the ball moving. And it was just really interesting to see them do that in a number of different ways yeah. this week, both in the draw game and then also in the zone run game. Uh, let's talk about the, the right tackle, Sayamalu. Yeah. You know, who got his, it was his third start yeah. in five weeks, his first time playing tackle in a couple of years because he did play some tackle early in his career at Oregon State. But Certainly in pass pro, got a little overwhelmed. But in the well, run game, tell us what you saw. Once or twice. Yeah. But I thought in the run game, again, the first thing – and we, we've spoken about him before when he played guard that we both acknowledged that he had very good movement, plus athletic movement. Even – same thing you noticed at right tackle. Uh, I thought he moved really, really well. He has a good feel for the run game. I think he gets up to the second level comfortably in the run game. Uh, it, it was really an impressive performance. Now – I don't believe that this organization sees him as a tackle down right. the road, but whether he's a guard or a center, he's going to be an athletic player. Yeah, I, I think that's certainly a strength of his game moving forward. I personally, I thought it was awesome to see Brandon Brooks come back and have. I well, thought he, he had a good. really good so game. So did I. I. I thought he had a really good. Was moving people yep. off the ball uh, against. And he's got pretty light front. feet for a big man. Yeah, and you know you saw some of those the movement blocks, some of those athletic yep. blocks out in space. But then also, you know, moving Brandon Williams at the point of attack, moving, uh, you know, Brent Urban and Jernigan and uh, some of these other guys, Winston right. Guy, at the point of attack. Was, the one guy really they didn't move very often was Mike Pierce. That's a big guy. That's a big <laughs> man. That's a big man. <laughs> yes. But uh, certainly a lot of different things to like in the run game. We talked about the multiplicity yep. and, and what that can be. And it was interesting you brought about how moving forward, this is such a big thing for this yeah. team. And, you know, a lot of piece, moving pieces in the backfield this year, a ton of moving parts up front on the offensive line. But – when you think about it, and you'll you start to look back on this team both now and this season, but also to a year ago. And I remember last year at this time, we were preparing to do the the final wrap up show for Eagles game plan. And the number one need that you know, talking with the crew and said like, all right, what do we want to talk about? We need to fix this offensive line. We've got to get some young pieces in there. 
And you look a year later and you talk about the, the addition of Brandon Brooks at right guard at free agency. Sayamala will be a starter next Sayam, year. So you have Sayamala Somewhere. And then you have Big V. And Big V looked yeah. very formidable, and, and, you know, especially after that first start against Washington. You had three players and you have a couple other young talents yeah. as well that look good this summer uh, into the pipeline. Uh, arrow pointing up on the offensive line. I would agree. And, and I tell you what, I know everybody throws out as, as if it's gospel. It's a passing league. And that's fine. We know you have to throw the ball. But I think you have to be careful when you have a young quarterback. And you and I both agree that Carson Wentz will be a very fine quarterback. We're not going to sit here and say what level he's going to be in three years. That's, that's irrelevant right now. But he's going to be a quality You're starter. You're going to pull the LeBron James 5, 6, 7? No, no, okay. no. He's gonna be, he, he will be a quality sure. starting NFL of quarterback. Course. But I think you have to be careful about saying, oh, we've got our guy to build around and just then think that, you know what, we're going to drop back, we're going to toss it around 35, 40 times a game. You've got to run the football. And I think you've got to put your quarterback under center and you have to run the ball. And I think, I hope, that they see it to some degree that way because I think that's so critical, not only for his development, because let's face it, we know they're going to look at the wide receiver position in the draft, maybe free agency, but there's not going to be three Julio Joneses here next year. So the position is automatically not going to be great. It could Ideally, it's better. Should be better, yep. But it's not going to be top three in the league. So you need to be able to run the ball for so many reasons. Look what happened this week. They went on the road and had a chance to win a game against a team that is fighting for a division title and we can realistically say is better than the Eagles at this point, and they had a chance to win a game. That's what running the ball does for you. What do you think, and this is going into, we're kind of talking big picture right now, and it's something we'll do in a couple of weeks, but what is it do you think is most important for the Eagles' run game moving forward in terms of adding a back that yeah. you can rely on week in, week out as your feature guy or continuing to build up the offensive line and add pieces to the backfield uh, that can be a factor in the run game. This is a philosophy thing. Yeah, now. 100% is. Okay, there's no right or wrong here. Correct. So I'm going to give you my philosophy. I want to hear your opinion. Right. That's why I here. believe you need someone who can be viewed as a feature back. Now, it doesn't have to be Ezekiel Elliott. It doesn't have to be Adrian Peterson in his prime. It doesn't have to be a top three or four guy in the league. But you need someone, in my view, that you can pretty much rely on to give the ball to 16, 17, if a game demands 23 times a game. Not three guys who carry it nine times. I'm, I'm not personally a believer in that. I think you need a back. Well, we will talk about that topic uh, at length in a couple of weeks when we, when we close out the season. And, 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 and also I'm sure forward. we'll discuss it a lot at length when we start talking about the draft Exa because exactly. I know from what you've told me, I haven't gotten there yet with my film study because it's the NFL season, but I know from what you've told me there's a lot of uh, strong players at running back in this draft. Yeah, no doubt. So you know, when you bring it back to the Eagles and we, we kind of take a couple steps back here and you look at this run scheme and, and what do you think that you know, looking at what Doug Peterson did in Kansas City – how different or how alike was it for you watching them this year? Were there, did everything carry over? Do you think more, we'll see added layers next um, year? A lot carried over. I think he's running that offense. Sure. And don't forget, for a number of years there, the years he was not injured, Jamal Charles did carry the ball not 370 times, and I wasn't suggesting that, but he did carry the ball 230, 240, uh, and he was, for all intents and purposes, a feature back. Now, he wasn't a feature back in the same way you think of Adrian Peterson as a feature back, and you don't need that guy, but you need a guy. But I think the offense has carried over. 
I think they have to expand it. I really do. Um, they do some things that, uh, really well, and we know you and I have discussed a lot of the concepts, both in the run game and the passing game, we really like. Um, but I think then you have to start adding wrinkles uh, just because I think that's what coaches have to do. And, and they like doing that. That's what the offseason is for. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you look at the offseason, uh, and really the, the number one objective is going to be building around Carson Wentz, complimenting Carson Wentz. And one of the best ways to do that is with a, a strong run But again, game. like I said, you got to be careful about right. that. He's all, you know, But with a strong run game. Right, right. right. He's right. only going to be a second-year quarterback, and he's going to be very good. But you have to be careful about making this Carson Wentz's team where every game is dependent on Carson Wentz playing well. You have to be able to win more than one way in this league. And you can't just every week put the burden on Carson Wentz. Well, that's what, what's interesting about every uh, the last month coming into this game against the Baltimore Ravens was everybody talked about the run-pass ratio. And some of those games, you know, the Cincinnati game, they're down 29-0. They, they threw 30-some passes just in the fourth that's quarter. The aberration. That that's, that's the aberration. That's an aberration. That's an outlier. But overall, people were very worried about all the run-pass uh, ratio and how you know they become very pass-happy. When you look at this Eagles roster and the way that they were trying to win yeah, at this point, they're trying to get in the playoffs. They're trying to, to fight to win this division or get in the wild card. Did you think that they felt they had to play that way in terms of trying to win the game? Because they did yes. struggle. Like I said earlier, well, they did struggle against some of the worst run defenses in the league to, to yeah, continue, yeah. consistently move the ball on the ground. Yeah, and, and that's fair because, l hey, look, I've talked to a lot of offensive coaches over the years. When you run the ball and you get one yard, two yards, after a while they don't want to run the ball anymore. They get tired of it. They get tired of getting one yard or two yards. Now, this is where, though, complementary football comes in and the rest of your team comes in, and that's where your defense comes in. We know that this team gave up way too many explosive plays on the defensive side of the ball. That's why complementary football is so important because you want to be in a situation that if by chance, you know, you have two or three drives in a row where you don't get any points or you have to punt or however it plays out, you want to be in a situation where your defense is also holding the other team and that you can stay with a game plan and you can keep playing the way you want to play and you don't have to step outside of how you feel you play best. And I think that's so critical. That's why, and we'll talk about this more as well next week and as we go forward through the offseason, but that's why the, the needs uh, and, and issues that they face on the defensive side need to be addressed as well. When you talk about the offense, you talk about Carson Wentz and his performance. A week ago, you and I sat here yeah. and we talked about how his game against Washington in Week 14 was probably his best in the season. One of the top two or three yeah. best performances of his career. Came back, not a strong performance against Baltimore. Lots of factors there. Yeah, obviously had the early interception, which was, you know, not a good interception no, in, no, in the no. slightest. It was a, off his back foot, falling away from pressure in the middle of the field. It was a, a tough interception to swallow. But I did like how he came back yeah. through that. And through the really, you know, the, the weather and some other poor throws in the game, uh, to put them in position to win it late. Yeah, he had a lot of rookie moments in this game, and you know what? He's still a rookie, and he's playing on an offense that doesn't automatically have great weapons where you can just throw, you know, a quick ball and a guy can run forty yards as as some quarterbacks do. Um, yeah, it was a rookie game for him, uh, and and we know that there's some things he clearly needs to work on in the off season. But you're right, even in, in a game in which I don't think overall he played particularly well, I'd probably say there were more negatives in this game than positives. Clearly, overall this season, there have been more positives than negatives. But in this given game where there were more negatives, y you still didn't get the feeling watching the game that he was overwhelmed or that he was 
struggling to function. There was no sense of panic. No, no, he wasn't struggling to function. He just didn't play particularly well and, you know, missed some things, didn't see some things. I thought he got impatient at times. There were times he played a little fast, um, quick to get rid of the ball when I thought he could have waited a little bit. That's where the impatience came in. But overall, you did not see a quarterback who was panicking or, or couldn't function within the context of his offense. Yeah, and certainly there were some throws in the final two drives, two that stood out most to me. And I'll, see, I'll get your opinion because I haven't uh, talked to you about these throws yet. The 24-yard completion of Zach Ertz on the, the three level, the double post. Love that throw because he had to throttle him down. Yes. That was what was so good. Yes. Because he couldn't take him to the sideline because there was a defender Eric sitting there. Was right there. So he had to throttle him down. Yeah, love that off the yeah. play action. Yeah. And, and knowing he had to choke that up was awesome. Yeah. Uh, second, ne- uh, a few plays later, actually, third and uh, – it was third and – I want to say it was third and goal. They ran the same play that got them a touchdown against the Seattle Seahawks, the Zach Ertz on the pivot route where they're yep. on the stick nod. Yep. Yep. This time he threw it to Trey Burton down in the post. And that throw. Although the incompletion. The incompletion. Well, he put it right on his hands. <laughs> and what a throw, man. I mean, if that, if that, that ball, reminded me of one of his college throws we did. Remember when yes. he threw with the guy with the back turn? South Dakota. I forget who it was. South Dakota State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. didn't yeah. think about that I throw. thought about When I saw the play, I said he made that throw in college. Yeah. And, and that was because when a defender's back turn, he can't see the ball. I mean, it would have rec- – that wasn't a regular It wasn't a gimme. Catch. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a routine. Right, you're, not, right. you're not killing Trey Burton. No, for no, no, that no. But a ridiculous throw. Great throw. If Trey makes that catch, I mean, we're talking about this throw, and that's the hallmark play of, right. of Carson Wentz's career, uh, at least you know in his first year uh, here with the Philadelphia Eagles. But it's interesting you thought about that play because watching this game and seeing some of those throws late, it kind of brought me back to the Northern Iowa game. Uh, his senior year was early in his career. Second one, right? Early in the season, yeah. The yeah, the, or no, it was the first, his first one. one. It was the first, the first one. one, right? Right. Carson had a bad game. Early in the game, he threw two picks, and he probably could have thrown three. Uh, there was but that was the game when he came dropped. back and changed the play and he won comes, the game. He comes yeah. back, two-minute drill, no yeah. timeouts left, and, and drives him 85-plus yards to win the game uh, with some great throws on the drive. Again, coming back from adversity. Last time the Eagles played the New York Giants, back in midseason, week right. eight, week nine, uh, threw two picks in the opening two drives, put, put yep. the Eagles in a huge hole. Brings him back, has the ability to yeah. win the game, and it was the incompletion of Jordan Matthews in the final play. Uh, so I just like the fact that time and time again we've seen him fight through adversity. Right. And that's something where you kind of see that competitive toughness trait come through. And he'll learn how him. to channel that. Yeah. Because there's too many times where, and we've seen it, where he, he tries to make a play when the best play is to throw it away and move on to the next play. Yeah, sure. Let's, uh, let's switch gears. Let's go to the defense. Overall thoughts watching the defense against this Baltimore offense. You know, I thought overall, in some ways it was very representative of the season, Fran. I thought overall you'd probably say they played, played pretty well, but too many big plays. Yeah. And obviously the, 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 the killer was the one at the end of the half. That was the killer. I think there were 16 seconds to go. What do you think was going on in that play? Because we were trying to talk about what the coverage was. It was two-man. Yeah. So, so explain what you, what you saw and how you saw it unfold. Well, first of all, they tried to disguise it. Because they had Jalen Watkins, who, by the way, was back this week playing in the nickel yep. because Malcolm Jenkins was playing the slot. They, they were trying to disguise it because Jalen Watkins initially looked like he could have been a single high safety. It, it looked like it could have been man-free potentially. But they then went to two-man at the snap of the ball. And what happened was is Joe Flacco saw that. He pumped down the middle. They had two routes to the right. They had Steve Smith on the outside who basically ran the vertical route. I forget who the inside receiver was, but he had the slot receiver I'm speaking of. He ran vertically to start. So Jalen Watkins now 
not only is he trying to get outside because he has to get to his responsibility, but he also has eyes on a vertical route from the slot. He's kind of stuck in no man's land. He's kind of stuck in no man's land. And I thought that Jalen Mills, and and I don't know whether he did it on purpose, figuring he had Jalen Watkins over the top or whether he just didn't play it well. But even in two-man, while you can undercut, he let Smith run by him, in my view, too easily. And, and basically run by him. And, but on the other hand, it was a big-time throw. It was a ridiculous <laughs> I mean, throw. It was a ridiculous yes. throw. But I think it was two-man coverage. We'd seen it before. Uh, two or three times prior to that play, every time the Ravens had two people in the backfield flanking Joe Flacco, they played two-man. Interesting. Yep, I didn't they, they played two-man. And they did it because, in fact, it was a play we broke down, which – now that I saw the, the All-22, I wasn't 100% right on. But, hey, when you don't see the All-22. But the, the Bradham sack yeah. f- uh, forced fumble recovered by Fletcher Cox was the same two-man coverage. Yep. And Bradham was not a blitzer. He was actually covering yep. Kenneth Dixon. But I think they had a, a type on that. And the reason I say that is because every time they did that, the two linebackers, Hicks and Bradham, they immediately they went. attacked. So my guess is they had a type from studying the Ravens that when they lined up in that formation, that the two people flanking Flacco, because it wasn't always two backs, uh, that they stayed into pass protect and did not free release immediately because Hicks and Bradham took off. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't pick up on that trend, which is uh, very interesting. When you look at the defensive line, uh, I thought Fletcher had a really strong game, Fletcher Cox. I thought Benny Logan had another really strong game inside. It's good to look at that, you know, and Benny, Logan, Benny Logan is a free agent, so we'll see if he, if he does get re-signed. But if you do re-sign him, you've got a really strong, and I think when you look at this defense as a whole, big picture, it's strong up the middle. you got those two D-tackles. No you got question. your linebacker, Jordan Hicks, and a, and a safety tandem. That Hicks has played has well. Really strong, yeah. And, and as, as good a year overall as Brandon Graham has had, and this is no knock on Brandon Graham, but he's not Von Miller. I mean, you need – they need an – more edge pass rush. And and yeah, I think Brandon Graham could be really good as kind of your second edge pass rusher, but the way this season has played out, he's really their top edge pass rusher. Right. And he's had moments and, and I actually love the way he plays the run from the backside. Uh, he's one I of mean, the best. I mean, I love the way he's played. Like I said, this is no knock on Brandon Graham because he's had a very fine season. But they need an edge pass rusher. Yeah, no, I, I would 100% agree. So, uh, Greg, excited to watch the, the rest of the season here unfold. Uh, thanks again for joining us here from uh, the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, fan, thanks. Great stuff from Greg. Again, you could follow him on Twitter just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's Nose content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other is to go on iTunes or Stitcher and give us a rating or even leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out to Ray Steven on Twitter who was talking about the podcast on social media. You know I greatly appreciate everybody that gives us love on those platforms. So 
Thanks to Ray and all of you out there for your continued support of the show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. So thanks to Ray and also to Greg Cosell and all of you out there listening, whether you're on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and, of course, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And, again, if you get the time, again, rate the show, leave us a comment, let us know what you think. Don't be afraid to leave us a question on there because – I'd love the ability to get deep on some of these subjects here on the podcast. We're getting ready to get into the offseason. A lot of big-picture philosophical questions about this team and any team around the NFL, just the sport and football in general. So don't be afraid to leave a question on there, and we can jump into it here with whoever the guest is on Chalk Talk each week. So, again, wherever you listen, just go on and leave us a comment. It's the best way to support this show. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week. Happy holidays.